It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. He rolled down his window as I stood with my arms crossed. What is your problem? I growled at him. What do you mean? He said, slightly slurring his words, obviously under the influence of something. Now, in the distance ahead of us, we heard the subtle pitter-patter of footsteps echo through the hallway. We all looked at each other, fear in each of our eyes. From Disturbed Media... Join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you three true horrifying tales and a listener voicemail that will horrify and terrify. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with an email submission from Jen, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas, and we have a close call. I'm going to preface the story by saying, I know I made mistakes in this scenario. The way I responded in a situation that could have gone badly quickly is not okay, and I'm lucky it didn't end on a worse note. Let's go back to 2016. My mom and stepdad were going on a weekend camping trip. I was 20 years old and living on my own in an apartment across town from where they lived. I was their go-to cat sitter when they left town for a few days. I slept in their sped bedroom, watched cable TV that I couldn't afford at my own apartment, and took long, hot showers knowing that I didn't have to pay the utility bills. After arriving at their house after work and tending to the cat, I decided that if I was going to binge watch the home improvement shows that I so loved, I had to go to the store and get plenty of junk food to snack on. Upon leaving the grocery store, I began driving down the back road that led to my mom's house. All was well. It was the start of the weekend, the sun was setting, and I was excited to relax. Headlights appeared in the distance behind me. They were quickly approaching my car. I wasn't driving below the speed limit, probably five miles per hour above the posted limit as was my norm. The approaching headlights made it seem as though I was driving at a snail's pace though. The closer the vehicle got to mine, I noticed how erratically they drove. We were coming up to a stop sign at a three-way intersection and I was debating on whether the vehicle would break behind me if I stopped at the sign or if they would hit my car. Thankfully, they stopped when I did. As soon as I began accelerating, though, 
they began driving closely to me again, swerving into the other lane periodically and staying right on my tail. This is where my mistake was made. I could have avoided the entire remainder of the situation had I just driven back to my mom's house. It was only another two minutes away from this straight stretch of the back road. However, I was only feet away from my sister and brother-in-law's driveway. In my mind, the person behind me was just driving dangerously. They weren't necessarily following me, just not paying attention to what they were doing or even inebriated. So I did as anyone that was avoiding an uncomfortable driving situation would do. I pulled off the road and into my sister's driveway to let the unsafe driver pass me. Instead of passing me though, he pulled into the driveway behind me. Shit, my exit was blocked. I quickly felt rage. I didn't know what this person's problem was or why they were targeting me. They remained in their vehicle, which I could now see in the dusk was an old green truck. I threw open my car door, slammed it behind me, and quickly stomped back to their driver's side window. Inside, there was a man that looked to be in his mid-fifties and rough. He rolled down his window as I stood with my arms crossed. What is your problem? I growled at him. What do you mean? He said, slightly slurring his words, obviously under the influence of something. I was driving down that road above the speed limit. You were right on my ass. If I wasn't driving fast enough for you, you could have just passed me. So why didn't you do just that? I hissed back at him. The man, seemingly not listening to a word that I had to say, reached around at the waist of his jeans. This made me somewhat uneasy, as I live in a community where guns are very prominent, and they have always made me nervous. However, I didn't take my eyes off his face, waiting to hear his reason as to why he was driving dangerously. Look, he began while choking up, as if he were on the brink of tears. I'm sorry, I've just been having such a tough time. My job sucks. My wife doesn't love me anymore. I just hate my life. I'm sorry. This didn't answer the question at all. I was now not only confused, but feeling more uneasy. He was no longer feeling around at his jeans. He instead pulled out a handgun from his waistline. My heart leapt directly into my throat. I had so many thoughts sprint through my head at once. What is he doing? How does this have anything to do with him being a shitty driver? Is he going to shoot me? Is he going to shoot himself? Instead of waiting around to find out, my fight or flight response hit. I sprinted through the driveway and into my sister's backyard. Luckily for me, she and her husband Ben were tending to the fire they had going near the creek. I ran to them, giving an abbreviated version of the story, likely along the lines of, there's a man that blocked my car in your driveway, told me he hates his life and showed me his gun. My unsuspecting brother-in-law looked at me, puzzled, and went to investigate with his own handgun on his belt. After a couple minutes, I heard Ben walking back. The man pulled out of the driveway and instead pulled into the parking lot of the small car dealership garage next to their house. When Ben rounded the corner, he told us he was calling the cops. There was no doubt in his mind that the man was very drunk. And while the gun wouldn't have been a threat if he was of sound mind, he was obviously not in the capacity to use it safely. The 911 dispatcher asked for the details of the incident and assured my brother-in-law that they would be sending out an officer to take a statement. Ben hung up the phone. The man then pulled out of the parking lot and continued driving down the road. Hey, I said to Ben, 
Do you think I need to stay? The dude left. I think I'm safe to go back to mom's house. My ice cream's melting in my car. Go ahead, he replied. I can let you know if they need to talk to you. I got in my car and booked it out of there as quickly as I could. I was no longer driving the speed limit. I wanted to be on the couch, watching Property Brothers and eating Ben and Jerry's. When I pulled up to my mom's house, I let out a deep breath. I felt safer and much calmer. I grabbed the grocery bag from the passenger seat and opened the car door. I heard a sound echoing nearby. It almost sounded like a thud, thud, thud. I looked around, trying to find what was making this noise. To my horror, three houses down, I saw a man sitting in an old green truck. He was repeatedly hitting his head off the steering wheel hard enough for me to hear it three houses up the street. Oh my God. This was the same man that I had just dealt with. I froze. What do I do? I closed my car door and he lifted his head off the steering wheel and looked up the street, seemingly making eye contact with me. He watched me go inside my mom's house. Once inside, I locked the door behind me and called Ben, as he was obviously my savior of the night. He told me that an officer had just shown up at their house, and since I was sure it was the same truck and the same man, they would send another patrolling officer this way to do a welfare check. I sat at the window in the living room with the curtain pulled back for me to see the drunk man's house. He had now gotten out of the truck and began walking up the street in my direction. As he approached the front door of my mom's house, the cop turned the corner onto the street. Their flashing lights caused the man to stop and look in their direction. He walked down the sidewalk to his house and spoke with the officers. I don't know what he planned to do when he walked up to the house that I was in. The next thing I knew, the man was getting in the back of the police cruiser. I had no idea where they were taking the man or if he'd be back the same night, and I didn't want to find out. Once everything calmed down, I decided I was going back to my apartment for the night and that the cat would be okay until the morning. It turned out that the man had serious mental health issues. The police were very familiar with him, and this sort of thing had been reported a few times, along with many domestic disturbances. They took him to the emergency room for a psychological evaluation, and according to rumors, he ended up spending a few days in the psychiatric hospital ward. Fast forward a couple of years, I had never seen the man again, even after going to visit my mom and stepdad often. He ended up being killed in a shootout with the police at his home on the very same street. He was holding his wife hostage at gunpoint and then came outside, shooting at the cops. There's even a hole in the siding of my mom's home from the incident. While it's so sad that he had inner struggles and couldn't get himself out of a dreadful headspace, it just makes me wonder how differently that night in 2016 could have gone. Get your voice on Disturbed with our hotline, available 24-7, completely free. Tell us your experience or just leave your comments on the show. Visit hotline.disturbedpodcast.com on your mobile device or computer. Up next, we hear from Reddit user The Real Holy Gamer, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford. And we never want to go exploring again. Now, this is something I really want to talk about, to be sure that everyone is cautious and stays level-headed at all times. 
Now, for context, I live in the middle of nowhere in Canada. It was an old town that had quite a few abandoned buildings due to absence of residents. And my friends were tired of the lack of entertainment options for us, so what we did was explore these abandoned buildings. Prior to this experience I'm about to talk about, we never really had anything too crazy happen to us. You know, occasionally we'd see a small bit of blood-like liquid, yeah, and we did see a pentagram on the ground from someone who went to a house previously, but nothing too bad, until the last time I had gone exploring abandoned buildings. Now, when I was younger, I used to go to a daycare that was part mental hospital, which is a weird combination, I know. It was closed down due to a lack of patients and a lack of children at the daycare. I decided to go back there with my friends a few years ago. For context, I was 15 when this happened. Most of my friends were the same age. When we did get there, it was rather cliche. There was fog, it was rather dark, and there was a light drizzle of rain. We went to the main gate, which was padlocked shut. We decided to help each other hop over it and made a ton of noise. We were laughing and giggling the whole time, unsuspecting of what was to come. We looked around the small play place park with the flashlights we had on our person. Even with our somewhat powerful flashlights, our visibility was rather limited. We decided to enter the decaying building. Glass and dirt crunched under our feet as we stepped into the daycare section of the complex. There were still old Legos, wood chips from the previous furniture, old torn dolls and toys strewn about. The further we walked around the daycare section, we naturally became more and more silent, until all we could hear was the crunch of dirt under our feet. I found some crayons in a plastic container in the corner of the room. I walked over to pick them up, when all of a sudden we heard a large crash come from behind a metal door leading to the psych ward part of the building. My friends and I all looked at each other. As a whole, we were a group of five, and most of them were very bold and cocky. We all looked at each other when my friend Brian suggested we go and look to see where the sound came from. Personally, I was not too fond of the idea. With my group of friends, there was no way anyone was going to decline such a thing. So we all stacked up on the door and opened it. It was rusted to the floor and we heaved it to get it open. And as we walked in, the metallic smells and must became stronger. The hint of something else which I couldn't put my finger on at that moment. When we walked in, our flashlights pointed in every direction with Brian leading the group. The hallways were tight and to the left and right were the occasional metal door frame, some with doors open. I uh, felt slightly claustrophobic, and it felt a little hard to breathe. And as we continued, Brian shone his flashlight into a room and recoiled. We all stopped walking as Brian slowly entered the room. What is it? I asked him. I, I thought someone was here. It all seems fine now. To be honest, I thought he was just messing with us to increase our anxiety. Looking back, I think he was completely honest. He backed out of the room and we continued walking deeper into the psych ward. Then, another friend swiftly told us to stop. He came to a halt and all listened. Now, in the distance, ahead of us, we heard the subtle pitter-patter of footsteps echo through the hallway. We all looked at each other, fear in each of our eyes. But Brian continued walking towards the sounds. We considered turning back for a second without Brian, wondering if some ghost or something was in the building. But uh, we couldn't do that to him. The closer we got, the more I felt like I was being watched. Then we finally entered the room on the right, which had the smell of rotting meat. In front of us was a dead deer. Its innards were spilled all over the floor, staining the concrete. A friend of mine had a very weak stomach and it vomited all over the floor. And that's when we heard whispering from somewhere. 
Brian shone his flashlight to the corner of the room where a man with short hair was standing with his head down. He wore a bright green t-shirt stained with what I assume was blood and torn beige pants. He didn't have any socks and his feet seemed damaged. He was twitching sporadically and continued to mumble even after we saw him. We stared at him for a solid 30 seconds before he made his first true movement. He looked up at us with a haunting grin that sent shivers down our spine. You guys here for the feast, he said, each word with varying inflection and energy. Well, this kicked us over the edge, and we bolted out of that room all the way back to the daycare center. The door is still open, we decided to try and slam it shut, but the rust and pure weight of the door almost kept it open. It took three of us pulling with all our strength to close it. And just before we did, I could still see the silhouette of the man watching us, his white teeth being the only other human feature I could see. We sat behind the metal door, catching our breath for a second, all of us looking at each other for confirmation that we all saw the same thing. After a little bit of labor breathing from each of us, we heard a light tapping on the door. That's when we decided that it was time to leave. We booked it out of the vicinity completely and ran home. A year after we visited that spot, police went back to do a routine search of the area and found the man. It was stated that this guy used to go to the psych ward before it closed down. He escaped the facility he was transferred to and lived off of the wildlife around the complex. When the cops brought him in, he had a series of diseases and sicknesses from eating raw meat, and his mental condition was much worse than before. Now, there were future rumors that he did kill someone in the forest while searching for food, but nothing has been confirmed. In the end, guys, be careful, especially in dangerous areas such as abandoned buildings. And look, creepy dude, let's not meet. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a conman. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? 
I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. You're listening to Disturbed. Now, back to the horror. Now, next up is a voicemail from Stephanie, and she has some strange happenings in the home. All right, so normally I don't tell this story because I work from home and I don't leave often enough to be by myself to be able to tell the story. So recently I was kind of depressed, probably about a year ago, and I talked to my cousin who had just found God and was going to church and reading the Bible and stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, you know what? What could it hurt? Let me try to get involved and I'll get a Bible and go from there. So I went on Amazon and I ordered a Bible and it came in the mail along with, you know, a couple other boxes. Some of them I had to take to like our cheerleading practices and stuff like that. So I just kind of left them on the floor until our next cheer practice, which was like two days later. So they were kind of getting kicked around and I didn't think much of it. So then when I finally get around to opening the boxes to take the stuff to cheer, I realized that the Bible had come in and I forgot that I had ordered a Bible and I took it out. And, you know, then I was trying to be respectful of it. And I, you know, put it in my um, nightstand drawer. And when everybody went to sleep one night, I pulled it out and it was just by one of my dogs and I'm sitting in my living room and I'm sitting there and I can hear her jaw kind of like biting at something really loud, you know, the, I'm not chomping, but you know what I mean? So she's like trying to get something and I look up and it's a fly and I'm like, why is there a fly in my living room? You know, that's really gross. It's summertime. So I'm like, whatever. It's maybe got in from the backyard, which is not anywhere near the living room that I was sitting in, but whatever. And then I'm like, you know what? It flew into the light. Um, so I was like, the light will take care of it for me. And moved on with my day. So as I'm reading, the dog is still trying to get at the fly. Aggressively trying to get at the fly. Snapping of the jaw still. And I kind of chuckle to myself and say, oh, I opened this Bible. And now all of a sudden, like, there's a fly. I, like, kind of chuckled to myself. And then I was like, wow, you're out of your mind. And you listen to way too many podcasts about this stuff. So I just kind of giggled and kept reading it and trying to see what it was all about. So the next day I wake up, I take my daughter to school. She, we live like two minutes from her school. My boyfriend gets up, goes to work early in the morning. So every morning I go in there and I wake my daughter up and I lay her clothes out and, you know, we do her hair in her room and all of that. So get my daughter ready. She goes to school. I come home. I remember I have to switch the laundry over. So I run to the basement, which is a whole nother story in itself. But I switch the laundry over and I bring it up and I'm walking down the hallway and her bedroom is across the hall from mine. And as a backstory, my daughter has really bad asthma and allergies and has always had a really hard time with dust and dander. And we have three German shepherds. So I try to keep it as clean as possible. I try to keep the door shut. I try to keep things off the floor. I try to keep everything just really clean so she's not, you know, we don't end up back at the hospital again. So that's for the context of this next part. 
walking down the hallway with a basket of laundry and I see there's a fly on the wall on the hallway between my room and her room. I'm like, ew, what, what, that fly got all the way over here? So I put the laundry down because I'm about to try to get it at least, you know, do something with it. And I, as I come out, I see like four or five more up the side of the hallway and up my daughter's bedroom door, which was shut. And I'm like, what is going on right now? This is absolutely disgusting. Like, is there a body in here? Anyways, I open my daughter's door and on God, I swear on my grandmother's grave, I swear on my grandfather's grave, I swear on anything that is holy. I opened the door and in my daughter's bedroom, there were thousands of flies. This was the same bedroom that I had done her hair in this morning, laid her clothes out, um, got her ready in. I was bringing laundry down the hallway and happened to notice these flies. And this had been like two hours after I had already dropped my daughter off. This was before lunchtime. So I start screaming as if I just watched, you know, a homicide happen in front of my eyes. And I'm like, and they're all in my daughter's things. They're in her dresser. They're in her bed, her sheets. They're in her socks. They're in her, I'm, I'm saying anything that was in that room, there's flies, there's dead flies, there's flies that are alive. Short story, I scream like someone just got murdered. I call my boyfriend, I'm hysterical. He's like trying to calm me down. He's at a job and he's like, why don't you just you know, on a job site. And he's like, why don't you just grab the vacuum and suck them out? And at that point I was so horrified. I don't think I could have gotten any more horrified. And it took me probably a good hour and a half to suck up the flies that I could visibly, you know, see on the walls. And then it got to the point where I took every single piece of furniture. I took every single piece of clothing, shoes, every single thing from that room was removed from that room. And there was, I was expecting to find like a body of some sort, whether human, animal, I wasn't really sure, but with that amount of flies, I've never seen anything like that in my life. So I take everything out and I vacuum, you know, everything, wash everything all over again, um, find nothing. I don't find an apple core. I don't find a piece of trap. I find nothing because I try to keep it pretty clean. So then I'm even more horrified and it doesn't click right away that I had got a Bible on Amazon, but the more that I have, told this story, the more it kind of clicks. So I put it all back in and that night I closed the Bible and I put it, I took out the bookmark that I had in there and I put it in back in my side table dresser thing. And I never saw one more fly again, right? So then this is the latest update as of a month ago, I had a friend come over and I was telling her the story about weird happenings that I've had at my, happened at my house. And I tell her the story. And I'm not kidding, as she was leaving, she left right after I told that story, coincidentally. As she was leaving, a fly comes buzzing in. And she was like, oh my God, basically you're possessed, like I'm leaving, bye. And I was like, what? I'm like, what are the chances of that? Again, brushing it aside. The other day, I had a friend over and we were talking outside and we get talking on the subject because again, I've had a couple weird happenings, you know, around my house, which don't scare me as much as the, the flies do, this whole fly story. And I was telling my friend this story. We were outside in my driveway and she said, okay, I'm gonna have a long drive home. I'm gonna run in and grab a water bottle because it's kind of late. And I was like, that's fine. And I followed her in. And again, we literally had just finished discussing the story. That was the last thing we said. She turned around and said, I'm gonna go grab a water bottle. I said, okay, I followed her in. 
And as I go in and shut the door, a fly flies into my face as she's looking at me and takes off into my living room, does another lap around my head and then takes off. I have chills talking about it. She was so horrified. And I had already told her that this had happened with my friend previously. And I was like, nobody's even ever going to believe this. And then it happened again. So now I have two witnesses to the fact that this happened at my house, which is why I don't talk about it at my house, because every single time I'm anywhere near my house and I discuss it, this happens. So yeah, if anybody has any, uh, any ideas what that, I mean, I think we all kind of know what that is, but Hey, don't buy a Bible on Amazon. If I can help anybody out, because truly you don't know where it's coming from. Love your podcast. I'll keep listening. And thanks for listening to my story. Looking for even more disturbed? Join us on Patreon for ad-free listening, shout-outs, and Disturbing Calls bonus episodes at patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Apple users can subscribe to Disturbed Media Premium directly in the Apple Podcasts app. And finally, we close out the show hearing from Reddit user Serotonin Sorcerer, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby. And we meet the Bleach Monster... Years ago, I worked at a natural foods store. I started there within the year after graduating from my first college, and I was just trying to get a handle on working a regular job and paying for my own apartment by myself. Working in the stores was all right and became better as I was allowed to work in the grocery department, which gave me more freedom to move around the store and a wider variety of tasks to perform. Periodically during the day, I would circulate through the stockroom to check with our receiver and see if there was any new stock to be put away. At times independent, local vendors' representatives would drive up to the loading dock and bring in products that were ordered and needed checking in. For some reason, I crossed paths with one vendor rep from a local bakery, and any time he was in the building, his attention would snap onto me. At first, I thought nothing of it. He usually was given prepackaged samples of new products to hand out to the stores, and he would usually give me a couple, even though I had no authority to order things. I just thought, oh, cool, free snacks. In case anyone has alarm bells going off because of getting food from a veritable stranger, this was a trusted vendor that had been with the store for years and years, and the baked goods samples were packaged where they were made. So they were the same safety and quality as if you had gone to the store and bought the full-size products. I had no reason to be afraid and so it continued off and on for a couple of months. Eventually, the guy started asking me seemingly innocuous questions that were dispersed far enough apart that my naive brain didn't feel the need to be put on guard. He asked things like what kind of car I drove and did I like it. He would cover for his questions by adding extra explanations, such as that he was thinking of getting a used car and was asking around for information. I told him I didn't have a car, which was true. I lived within a few blocks of the store at the time. At that, the guy wrote his number and first name on a piece of paper, telling me I could call him if I ever needed a ride anywhere. I still didn't get it and thanked him politely, though I knew I'd never take him up on that. Anywhere I needed to go, I could get to on a combination of busing and walking. 
I was very independent and didn't like to feel like I was ever inconveniencing anyone. One day, I came into work as usual and went through the stockroom on the way to the time clock to punch in. The receiver rushed over and snatched me into a tight hug, telling me she was so glad I was okay. I thought she was being funny, so I asked her what for. She told me that the former vendor rep who had seemed so enamored with me had gotten a girl to get into his car with him. Then he drove her to her apartment, subsequently attacked her, attempted to assault her, beat her bloody, then set her apartment on fire, fleeing the scene. Luckily, the woman he attacked was able to escape her burning apartment by climbing through a window. I became so much more wary of acquaintances after this incident. I feel really fortunate to have never put my trust in the guy and gone with him anywhere. You never know with some people. Update. I had posted this account of my experience with a creeper at my old job and just recently found out the guy's name and what he did. His name is Travis Forbes, a.k.a. the Bleach Monster, and he killed a woman before he attempted to murder the one in my story. I stumbled upon a video of Travis Forbes upon browsing Facebook one day, and I felt like I had been sucker-punched. He used his vehicle in both the successful homicide and the attempted one, and he knew that I didn't have a vehicle and kept reminding me that I could call him for a ride whenever he saw me at work. I feel so incredibly fortunate that I didn't give in to his wheedling. Don't forget you can send in your own true terrifying tale. Head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit to see all the submission options. And if you'd like to support the show and gain access to bonus episodes, ad-free content, and early releases, visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. And a big thanks to all of our newest supporters, and we have a lot of them. Chris, Jody Hauser, Digital Dom, Stacy, Christina G., Edsel Romero, Voji, Nicole Frund, Jess Durkey, Sheila, Michelle Tallarico, David Davidson, Jody Hemberger, Brian Murphy, Jamie Rulera, Iris Zeller, Maniac Jim, Matt Stanley, Esther Trowbridge, Rodrigo Montoya, Sarah Z, Elena Valadares, Kayla Christine, Jake Wright, Poison Affinity, and Sherry Rogers. Thanks to everyone for supporting the show. Music by Carl Casey at WhiteBatAudio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And don't forget to stay safe out there, y'all.